welcome to Koshian Cast, the world's best and only sports anime fan podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me today is a special guest, Matt. Hi! Hi, Matt. Hi! Uh, so, this is week six of the fall season. We'll be covering every uh, newly airing sports anime episode from November 6th to November 12th. Of course, there is one exception this week, as Long Riders once again did not air a new episode. Um, Long Riders has aired four episodes so far. Uh, in its third week, it didn't air an episode at all. And now, uh, this week, it aired a recap episode in Japan that Daisuke just elected not to distribute in the U.S. because it had no new content. So needless to say, the production of Long Riders is facing some issues, and hopefully we'll get a few more episodes anyway so we can see it really go down in flames. But, <laughs> um, but anyway, I'm glad glad to be here with you uh, this week, Matt. It's been kind of a, a strange week, so I'm, I'm glad I could look forward to doing this. Yeah, I am with you on that. All right, so um, do you want to... I also just want to apologize to everybody real quick as well. I'm kind of fighting a tickle in my throat. Just hopefully I don't cough too much during this. Well, hopefully. So uh, I think we can move from the low low of Long Riders to the high high of Yuri on Ice, if you don't mind. Oh, go for it, man. All right. So it was, uh, episode six of Yuri on Ice... The episode begins with them flying to Beijing for the Cup of China tournament. And once they get there, Yuri and Victor, they, they run into Pitchett, who is a former teammate or a training partner of Yuri's. And they go out and they get drunk. And they run into a bunch <laughs> of the other skaters. In the process, Victor um, takes his shirt off and it keeps hugging Yuri, and everyone puts it on Instagram, and it's a very big sensation, predictably. Um, once they actually get to the tournament itself, Pitchett is the first skater on the, the short routine, and he skates to a, a song called Shall We Skate, which I guess is, is uh, sort of a made-up song about, about skating in this universe. He does quite well. He's uh, real quick, by... I just want to point out that the Shall We Skate, um, it was interesting because it was apparently meant to be a movie soundtrack song within the world. Right. Um, so he's he's followed up by Guan Hong, who is the Chinese skater. You don't really get to see his routine. Um, Yuri, during this, decides that he will, despite the fact that everyone is there telling him that they want to see Victor skate more, telling Victor that they want to see Victor skate again, uh, Yuri decides that he wants to be hated by the world as the man who stole Victor from the world. Um, so when he actually goes out to skate, he tells Victor, don't ever take your eyes off me. Um, and then he touches their, their foreheads together. Um, and when he gets out to skate, he says that I'm the only one in the world who knows Victor's love. And then at the end of his routine, he does extremely well. Uh, he, he has a couple slight mistakes, but overall he, he performs way above expectations. He draws the crowd in. And uh, at the end, the announcer shouts, love wins um, because <laughs> of uh, Yuri's theme. And then the announcer follows on and said that Yuri learned what love is in his routine. And he, <laughs> he ends up getting going into first place. He gets 106 points. He has the leading score. 
He's followed by Georgie, who is a, another Russian skater who had sort of been in the shadow of Victor until this season, and he wants to break out and be the best in Russia. Um, he skates to a routine based on his heartbreak over his girlfriend dumping him, and he cries the whole time while he skates. Uh, he's followed by an American skater named Leo de la Iglesia, uh, who wants to fur fill the world with stuff he likes, and he likes music, so he dances to his music anyway <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it was very anyway um and then uh, last is christoph who is a swiss skater and who skates with a slow burn where he starts off weak but ends up very strong and he say, skates with what he calls a mature sex appeal uh it goes his routine goes well and he thinks it's going so well that at the end he talks about just how well it's going and that's a <laughs> yeah, euphemism because he says. says he says he says something that i don't want to say on the podcast but, um <laughs> and so then at the end uh you realize that yuri is, got the top score and he gets interviewed and says that he will win with the power of love yep okay so uh, we discussed this a little bit beforehand, Matt. We actually watched the episode together. Yeah, we... we though It was a fun thing to do. I don't know that we'll do it every week, but we did just um, watch... We watched Haikyuu and Yuri on Ice, and actually Keijo, which I'll bring up later, together and, and discussed it while we watched it, which was fun, you know? Oh, yeah. It made it hard because you can't really pause, but other than that, it was fun. Yeah. Um, so this episode has taken a lot of the Yaoi subtext. They've really taken it out of the subtext and have kind of made it the text at this point. We say this every week, man. I no, mean, I know. I know. Like, it just I know. gets more and more textual. I know. Well, because, I mean, there's a line in there that Yuri, or uh, Victor states, where he's, like, bugging Yuri during his interview, where he's like, hey, let's go get some hot pot afterwards. And he's like, no, no, I'm, I'm busy right now. Just give me one moment. And all I'm just thinking is... This sounds like an actual couple. Yeah. Like, this isn't just, like... Like, a lot of Yaoi, they try and sort of, like, almost fetishize the, the relationship between two dudes. Right. You know, it's like the this sort of unbreaking love. But it's like, this is a moment where it's like, man, these guys just feel like a normal couple at this point, you know? Yeah. Their interactions aren't all sexy or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Not all of them. But it's like, these... It actually feels like this is a pretty stable relationship um other than that there's a lot of skating this episode yeah it was a lot of skating which is great oh yeah because the skating is one of the strongest points of the of the series um i did though as much as i do love watching the skating it does i don't know how to put this it kind of blends um, together yeah, kind of. That is kind of one of the issues I have as well, because they're not really going much... Like, one of the ways that a lot of other sports series, they kind of try and spice up, you know, they give you details about what's actually going on. And here, they just kind of throw uh, these, you know, these very nice-looking skating routines at you. Yeah. But they don't really kind of explain, like, what it's doing or what, like, how they're doing it in the middle of it. Yeah, or why they construct it a certain way. You know, yeah. I, I see they're like, oh my gosh, a triple toe loop. And I'm like, looks cool. But, you know, I don't have any context <laughs> for what that means in terms of points. I don't have any yeah. context for what that means in terms of difficulty or, you know, 
why connecting two jumps together is more or less difficult depending on the combination yeah you know that's a that's a great way to put it actually and you know it's like on one hand it's kind of refreshing to actually have a series that presents this stuff like an actual match right yeah it's yeah. like if you were watching the olympics this is how you'd take it in they aren't gonna explain it to you, you know? yeah exactly and um I, in one way i kind of appreciate it but especially like this episode in particular um it was very apparent that uh there wasn't really much going on outside of introducing all of these characters. And mm-hmm. I guess admittedly, through the routines, we kind of learn a lot about their uh, their personalities. I love Georgi. Uh, yeah. yeah. Why? Oh, I don't know. There's just something about him, about, the, about him being the evil skater. Because he has to prove... Like, it's not even so much about the fact that, you know, his heart was broken and he wanted to show the world. He has to prove through his figure skating that love that there is no such thing as true love all of your hopes and dreams are pointless and that your heart will constantly be broken if you keep clinging on to these ideals yeah he he dreams of himself as an evil witch while he's performing yeah exactly and it's like and the thought of this just breaks his heart so much that he has to cry like he's just bawling during the entirety of his routine so he truly feels this yeah um, yeah, I, I I liked the introduction of, you know, a Victor rival who what like you you know there's more than one Russian character which I like. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I thought the it, it was funny sort of the way. I guess what I'm getting at is what did you think of some of the cultural implications which you know with all these skaters representing their countries like the way that the American was portrayed um, as opposed to the Swiss guy, you know, or for example. Honestly, I guess I didn't really even notice it. Because I guess part of the problem was that the American skater was, he had kind of a boring story, to be honest. So I kind of just didn't think of him. Like, it doesn't seem like, I've seen worse representations of other nationalities in anime. Uh, No, uh, low-hanging fruit there, I know. but Sure, yeah. A low bar to jump over there, but... Like, I didn't really think too much about it. Like, it, it's not like Tiger Mask where I'm noting, oh god, please stop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there was a little stereotyping, but it didn't feel like the show had any antipathy towards any of the characters based on where they came from. Yeah, exactly. Like, Pitchett just seems like, you know, he's just one of Yuri's friends, you know? He's not... There's yeah. nothing really about him. They kind of make... I thought this was kind of a weird tidbit that they brought out, was the fact that this is... um. The, the song that Pitchett skates to, it's like, this is the first time that anybody from his country has ever skated to this song. Right. And it was just kind of like, it, is that like a big deal? Well, I mean, I think for him, like, part of his narrative is that he's from Thailand, which doesn't right. have a history of figure skating. So he just wants to, he wants to be able to claim a famous song that's used by a lot of figure skaters. He wants to claim it for oh. himself even you know as a man from thailand you know? okay that's interesting i hadn't thought about it like that um okay okay i can give it that uh i do like how that song by the way it really does feel i don't know what it is about it i don't know enough about music i don't i never took music area or anything like that um it really does feel like it is part of a movie soundtrack like, yeah. I thought that was something that they did pretty well, was distinguishing all the different... Like, picking songs that are specifically going to sound very different from one another. Yeah. Uh, within the uh, within each of their routines. 
No, I agree. The uh, it it's interesting, just because it felt like it was straight out of a musical. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that that was kind of the interesting thing about it. Uh, just one other thing I wanted to bring up as well was the um, I, there was something subtle I really liked how they handled in this episode, which was how Yurio actually got beaten. Oh, yeah. At the very beginning, they acknowledged that he lost the... Well, he got second place in the Canadian Cup. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, I... <clears throat> like, they do this through a... Just through a, like, a newscast where they're just kind of right. going over the results. And they didn't feel the need... Like, nobody had to, like, bring up the fact that, oh, wow, Yurio actually got second place. Like, there was no character who was, like, commenting on that or anything like that. But they just showed you... Okay, so this character got first place, this character got second place, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I thought that was a really interesting way to actually, like, establish, like, the power dynamic here. Mm. Um, So, in a lot of anime and a lot of sports battle series, they have to do different things in order to establish, like, general rank and strength uh, in comparison to other characters. Um, So, I thought that was kind of an interesting way to do it without having to make it like so blatantly obvious that this was what they were doing at the time so now we know that the canadian skater is actually somebody for yuri to have to look out to so what's i'm trying to picture what's an example of a a series that might do that a little more clumsily uh more clumsy i can tell you a series that does it pretty well which would be uh which would be baby steps and that would be in the uh in regards to the seeds in regards to the seeded players so oh yeah uh what oftentimes happen is happens is that uh Mar- what will happen is maru maru will play a character who is seated he will struggle against that character and then uh depend you know depending on how the story wants to go he'll either win or lose against it they'll oftentimes however make it sure it's not the first the first seated character it's always going to be somebody who's a little bit lower hmm. in the seating and then he'll always he'll go up against another suited character who's a little bit higher. Like in a good example of that would be Arya, who was like the second seed next to Takami in that series. Right. He goes up against uh, Arya and he loses to Arya. Spoilers. Uh, oh yeah, sorry. Should probably, <laughs> probably should have stated spoilers. Um, and so that's kind of and so that's kind of done just to generally show you know where the power, power dynamic is he uh uh maro is at least around he is at least around the level of like i would say the like the third seated character of this particular yeah. tournament but that way when they go into the next tournament and we see oh aria is only like fourth seated in this tournament and there are three other people beyond him right yeah no, and that's, that, a, that's that's good and i think in answering my own question a little bit a series that fails to do this is Days. I mean, it fails to do a lot of things, but it habitually will introduce schools, you know, halfway through the show and say like, oh, but they're they're the best. They're our true rivals. And you've never heard anyone mention them before. So you're expected to believe the fact that this other random team is actually the best, better than anyone they've ever played when they've never been introduced or put in context against any other team yes. before. Yes, that's uh, an excellent way to put it. So, I think overall with this um, episode on Yuri on Ice, it was fun to watch as a display of its, you know, its animation prowess. It was fun to see the different skating styles. It didn't really move the story that far forward. Uh, The only things it did for me was it showed that Yuri has legitimately become one of the best skaters in the world. 
And so sure. establishing that, like, no, he's not just good in Japan. He's actually good globally. Um, so putting his training into context against other players or against other skaters is good. Um, the other thing is it, like every episode, it just solidified more the nature of the relationship between Yuri and Victor. Um, the fact that Yuri, when exposed to the fact that a lot of people just want Victor to go back to skating, Yuri doesn't care and he says that he wants Victor all to himself and he doesn't care what anyone else says. Um, that's significant. And yeah. uh, so I thought that was that was good. It, it kind of shows a little bit more self-confidence in himself because he, he's been kind of on this... Uh... You know, he started off the series as being very like, oh, I just, you know, I don't know if I can ever live up to Victor's expectations. Now we're at a point where he's actually willing to be like, no, I'm going to take play, I'm going to take Victor's place now. Yeah, exactly. So, you want to move on to another show that uh, lives up to expectations? Uh, you mean Scorching Ping Pong Girls? No. <laughs> no, I, I Yes, I know. Okay. The, uh, th that was really smooth, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Um, really... That really... was better in my head. Yeah. Uh, so, Haikyuu, episode 6. Uh, the, the episode begins with a flashback to the first year when Sua, Asahi, and Daichi are freshmen at Karasuno. Um, they're the only new members of the Karasuno volleyball team. It's a pretty small team, and there's no coach. Um, so as they've established before, Coach Ukai uh, left the school... And so they don't have a coach anymore, and none of the other schools want to practice with them after the coach left. The other schools basically don't think it's worth their time because Karasuno is not strong enough anymore. Uh, but Daichi and the others decide that they want to rebuild the glory of Karasuno, and so they practice on their own um, because they want to grow and they feel like the team is dragging. Um, initially, the seniors don't believe that their goal of aiming for nationals is realistic, and so they don't think they should have that as their goal, but eventually they come around, um, and they they compete in the inner high. Then it, it cuts back um, after the, the fact, and the team, this is still in the flashback, the team loses in the second round of the inner high, uh, but the captain demands that they keep building their style, and eventually, someday, Karasuno will be great again. Um, so then it cuts, cuts back to the fourth set. Um, the two teams are, are tied at 20-20, and uh, Karasuno is trying to basically nail down Shira Torizawa's new patterns. There's a lot of back and forth. I'm not going to go into every detail. Um... But uh, eventually, Karasuno is able to take advantage and pull ahead. Uh, the coach of Shira Torizawa remarks that Karasuno is evolving within the match. <laughs> which is sort of one of those sports anime cliches we all look for. Um, towards the end of this set, uh, several players start to suspect that Kageyama is getting exhausted because he's involved in every play and he's not able to perform at his best, and so other characters start having to cover for him. Um, Ushiwaka is able to force the set into a deuce, um, but eventually they, they work back and forth, back and forth, and the old man with a hat on yells, I'm counting on you, Karasuno, and that motivates them. Uh, Hinata is 
able at the end with uh, an advantage of 28-27 he's able to jump up for a spike but ultimately instead of hitting with his right hand he tips the ball over with his left hand to get uh, set point and we move to the final and decisive fifth set which we will probably spend the next four episodes on maybe three with a wrap-up episode at the end i imagine it'll be it'll end in episode nine but yeah yeah that's kind of what i'm in that's kind of what i'm anticipating but i can't you know say for certain um this was a decent episode it it's like you mentioned at the beginning when we first started the season that you were kind of uh, expecting to be kind of you know kind of ready for this to be done with like around episode six or seven right I'm kind of getting to that point, honestly. Yeah, it's it's a little... The only issue for me is that it's a little difficult to feel all the momentum because it's so... It, it's forced to drag out so much. Yeah, it kind of almost feels like a sugar rush. Like, it's really, really exciting and fun for, like, these first few episodes... But it's kind of trying to keep this tension going, and it's, at this point, I'm just kind of like, I'm kind of coming down, and I just sort of want to, I kind of just want to see this end. Like, I'm enjoying myself, but uh, this is, I'm glad that this season is only ten episodes, let me just leave it at that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's still great, but... Oh, yeah, it's still good, it's still, I mean, I would still easily recommend this to anybody, but, you know, watching this week to week, I'm just kind of like, okay, I'm just... This is interesting. I'm glad, but so I'd what like do you think? Because the way they've been um, pacing out this match, it's actually gone a little faster than we expected to. You know, we right. didn't expect to be through four sets in six episodes. Um, so, and really in five episodes, because they just barely started the match in the first one. So, what do you think they're going to be? They're going to do with the next few episodes to? slow it down and to extend the fifth set we're probably gonna have to see some more they're probably gonna try and do something else with hinata because he's actually been despite being the main character he's been pretty like he hasn't had a lot of focus in this like particular arc if anything Tsukushima has had more attention Right, I actually kind of wrote that down in my notes. It's like, he's really... Like, Tsukushima really feels more like the main character of the season. Because this entire... Because a lot of this... uh, A lot of the character growth this season, and a lot of the character progression, has almost all been on Tsukushima. It's only really been in the most recent episodes that we've really seen any Hanana development. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder too. I wonder if we'll see more flashbacks from the Shiratorizawa side. Because we saw one for their setter, Shirabu. Yeah. Um, but that was about it. We didn't see an extended flashback for any of the other players. So I wonder, that would be my guess, is that we'll see a lot more from their perspective of how they built the team. And probably a number of other players reflecting on their relationship with Ushiwaka. I can't imagine we'll get any, anything from his perspective. But, yeah. Most likely not. He doesn't see... We might get, like... I think maybe at the very end of the game we might see something yeah. from Ushiwaka's perspective, but that's going to be the only time we do. Yeah. Episode 10 material. Yeah, basically. Um, I think the other thing is... And this is this is a complaint I've had with Haikyuu a couple times in the past. It does have this 
kind of frustrating tendency to resolve a lot of its matches the same way, which is the two teams are fighting. Uh, one team pretty clearly pulls ahead in the end, like towards the end of the match. It's almost match point. The other side miraculously starts to pull it around towards the end. They get to a deuce, and then we start focusing a lot more on trying to break free from the deuce. Right. And, you know, it's not like, again, it's not like a big deal, but it I'm starting to notice the pattern a little bit well, more. Well, it's exactly what happened in the second set, too. Yeah, exactly. It's what happened in the second set. That's what happened with a lot of the matches against uh, Alba Josai yeah. in the previous seasons. Again, it's not like a big deal, but it does start to get a little frustrating when they're not willing to play more with the formula. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, Karasuno hasn't won a set in this match that hasn't gone to deuce. Yeah. Um, so. Whereas, and I mean, I get what the author, what the original author was trying to do was trying to, you know, you know, this is, you know, get, you know, edge of your seat. This is going to be like a really tense, like nail biting match. Like, oh, it's coming right down to the wire. But it, you know, when you do that every single time, it kind of starts to get less exciting. It would be a lot more interesting to see them actually like pull ahead and then like create a lot more tension about keeping the lead. Yeah, it would be weird if Karasuno came into one of these matches as the favorite. Yeah. You know, Uh, I mean, I guess they did earlier in last season, they came into several matches as the favorite, but they didn't, I don't know. It, It just felt a little like there was not as much risk. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's kind of the... Uh, and, like, again, you know, I don't want to make it sound like I'm really, like, just suddenly I'm just down on Haikyuu. Because there's still, like... This is still, like, a beautifully animated and, like, well-shot, like, anime. Like, no doubt about that. There are a couple of things I really liked in this. Uh, for example, there's a moment when they're getting... When they uh, Karasuno brings themselves up to match point. They have a shot of, like, everybody who's on, like, the stands... And you can even see, like, Kyoko, like, tensing up. She, like, brings her uh, notebook, like, right up to her mouth. Yeah. And it's, like, you know, it's, again, small details like that that are really fun to see. Just small instances of character development there. Because, you know, Kyoko has always been a very distant, kind of a female Tsukushima, essentially. Yeah. You know, kind of even watching her get, like, really involved and, like, excited by this match. You know, it's a nice touch. Yeah, the... I don't know. It it was fun. That's that's the only thing is that Haikyuu is never not going to be a fun show. Yeah. In terms so, of it being interesting, it's not necessarily interesting every week. Yeah. That and that's kind of and that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um. Right. Do you have anything so yeah, else on this one? Uh, I'm good. Do you want to move on to uh, March comes in like a lion? Yeah, that's definitely a, a show with something interesting this week. <laughs> uh. So. Yeah, so this is episode six of March Comes In Like a Lion a lot. Again, this is an episode with a lot more content than it had earlier. Um, the episode begins with Ray eating with his adoptive family. They all <laughs> muse on where they would like to go for vacation, and Ray realizes that he has nowhere he wants to go, of course. Um, then jumps to Ray at his, talking to his teacher, Hayashi. Uh, Hayashida about how a bunch of other students are doing a study camp but Ray can't go because he has a shogi match and the teacher identifies that Ray is secretly glad he doesn't have to go um, <laughs> because he doesn't want to have be forced to hang out with a bunch of guys he doesn't know because that's Ray um, 
the the teacher then talks with Ray again later and uh, wonders why Ray re-enrolled in high school when uh, Ray doesn't actually talk to anyone or have any friends. Uh, Ray remembers how Kyoko told him that he was always going to be alone, and uh, so Ray then considers the fact that he was desperately looking for somewhere to belong, and he was hoping that by becoming independent, by becoming a pro shogi player, that would get him there. Uh, he then reminisces about how when he first became a pro shogi player, he was pretty depressed, and he would just sleep all day. Um, when he didn't have matches, he stopped cooking for himself, he stopped take, taking care of himself, and he basically stagnated um, in the lowest professional rank for two years. Um, he has a sort of a dream or a vision or a metaphor, whatever, of how growing up he felt like he was trying to swim through the ocean, and eventually he got to dry land, and the dry land was becoming an independent professional where he didn't have to struggle anymore. He could just um, accept stagnation by just chilling on this island in the middle of an ocean of struggle. <laughs> um, and he wondered whether he would ever be willing to risk going back into the ocean and um, having to struggle through life instead of just stagnating where he was comfortable. Um, he has a flashback to the time that he passed by Soya, otherwise known as the Child of God, who is <laughs> the uh, Japanese shogi champ and has been so for many years. Um, and then Ray talks about Soya with his teacher Hayashida. Um, he also mentions the fact that all that he's the fifth middle schooler to ever become a professional shogi player. And that all four of his predecessors all became masters. And he feels a lot of pressure that people put on him because they expect him to become a master just like the first four. Um, but he doubts whether he's capable. He thinks he's pretty ordinary and not a prodigy. Um, and he really feels that, that pressure. Um, and so in, in the end, uh, Ray runs into Hana, of course, because she's the only other person in this city. And <laughs> he buys her a shake. They go out to McDonald's and she... Oh, uh, invite... McDonald's, thank you. Sorry, McDonald's. And <laughs> she invites him over for dinner and he's very moved by this. Um, yeah, so, yeah that was... It was a long summary, but there was... It felt like there was a lot of meat in this episode. Uh, real quick, did you watch the very end of the episode after the credits? Because there was like two more minutes after the credits. Awesome. No, I didn't. I assumed there okay. wasn't any. Go Not ahead. Not a whole lot happens, but I'll go ahead and describe it. Basically, what happens is uh, while uh, Ray and uh, Hana. Hana are eating, yeah. uh, the boy that Hana had a crush in uh, two episodes ago uh, st stopped in at the restaurant Classic. And came up and wanted to sit down with the two of them. And Hana freaks out. So, uh, like, Ray decides that, you know, he's being the third wheel here. So he gets up to leave. Uh, Hana kind of grabs him and she's like, you know, please don't let me leave because she's super nervous. And then she just freaks out and runs away. And then Ray is left there sitting with her crush. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much the end of the episode. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so uh, what I really liked about this episode, and we, uh, this was interesting because this was something you had brought up in the very first episode, and I'm kind of noticing this now myself. I like the way that the series is portraying depression. 
Because it feels very... It does feel very at home. It, yeah. it hits a little close to home for me at times, a little sure. bit. Sure, yeah. Um, just the way that, it, like, the imagery of Ray just swimming and just this constant swimming and this, this, uh, this just the, like, the, you know, I swam and I swam and I swam and I swam. And, you know, and he finally gets to this place, you know, that he wants to be at. Like, hey, I finally, you know, I can finally stop struggling. And it can feel like that in depression sometimes when you finally, like, make some progress and you start thinking to yourself, well, this doesn't feel normal. Yeah. It, it started, like, this the constant struggling and the, it, like, and then suddenly you're starting to feel fine with your life. It doesn't, you, you start to wonder, is this really right? Because you get so used to that. Mm. And there are a couple other things that Ray says and does, too, that I thought were really interesting. Like, for example, when he's talking to the... Uh, there's a scene where he's passing by some older men. And during that scene where he's thinking about how he's, like, the fifth uh, professional shogi middle school player. Yeah. And those men... Uh, he passes by some men who are like, Oh, well, you're a... Uh, you're trying to be the future master, right? Like, you're probably going to become, like, the next master. It's like, well, it's okay, because, you know, all the masters have a slump at some point. Yeah. And, you know, he, in their minds, they could have actually been trying to be very, like, friendly and encouraging. Yeah, But the exactly. way Ray takes it is, you stupid punk, you think you're, like, that good? Well, guess what? You ain't making master. Yeah. Yeah, he sees himself as, like, a letdown or a disappointment, and that he, he feels all the pressure when probably they're just, like okay, but, you know, you're 17 and it's crazy impressive that you're a pro at all. Right. Like, they're like in their minds, you know, you, we don't know that for certain, but, you know, in their minds, they were probably trying to be very encouraging. Yeah. Like, like, hey, you know, you're young, you know, it's fine for you to make mistakes. Not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that he turns around pretty much anything that's meant to be encouraging as a negative, or uh, there's another scene when he's talking with... Uh, this, I think, may have happened after the credits, but when he's talking with uh, Hana and he realizes how depressed she... Or, like, how many, you know... That, you know, she and her family have to go through all these issues and Ray thinks to himself, well, geez, like, here I am always constantly concerned about my problems. Why don't I think about, uh, like... I've never even considered, uh, like, Hana's own issues. And again, that's kind of... He's kind of beating himself up where he doesn't need to. Well, and it, it happens separately um, with Hayashida, his teacher, who makes an offhanded remark. Basically, I don't I don't have it written down exactly, but he basically says that you know, well, you'll you'll find your own way to win or something something like that, which isn't necessarily even about shogi, but immediately Ray takes that and says, oh, he's referring to the fact that I just lost twice in a row. Um, right. He's just he's trying to lay it on, and which, on some level, you know, isn't true because it's established that Hayashida is this very direct person who doesn't mince words, but Ray still takes it as a passive aggressive slight. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's funny too because like his teacher is outside of the uh, the girls in his uh, adoptive family. He's like one of the only other like positive influences in his life because he's the only one who's actually like. Even more so than the girls, he's, like, he's one of the only people that's actually, like, trying to reach out to him and understand him. Well, yeah, and he clearly cares about Ray's shogi career, and he follows it. Yeah, exactly. Like, he wants to, you know, talk with him. You know, he comes up with this strategy, and, like, he shows it to Ray, and Ray kind of doesn't even think twice about it. He's like, oh, yeah, so all I have to do is this, 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 and this, and, uh, yeah, I win. Yeah. (laughs) 
So did you did you have any thoughts on you got a lot more development on Ray's teacher Hayashida in this episode? Right. Um I didn't have a lot of thoughts about it. Um I also kind of took it like I, the way I took it was that Ray is overly concerned with how other people are going to take him. Hmm. Because a lot of what because you know, in Hayashida, like, you know, Hayashida's trying to do things that, you know, he feels are going to make Ray feel more comfortable. And Ray takes that as, this guy, he doesn't seem to understand how social cues work. Like, how's it going to look with you, like, trying to eat with me in the classroom during lunch? Right. Um, whereas, you know, Hayashida, he's probably, you know, he's probably trying to act like a teacher. Like, mm. and he can't seem to under, and Ray can't seem to understand that part of Hayashida's job is to actually, like, try and get more involved with him. Hmm. Yeah, he just sees him as being weird and not abiding by social norms. Right. Exactly. Whereas, you know, Hayashida is probably just trying to, you know, be a decent teacher. Yeah. And, you know, actually help Ray through his problems. It's like, Ray, like, you don't talk to anybody. Right. You know, are, why are you concerned with social norms? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But again, I think that considering what's been established about Ray, I think that's pretty understandable maybe not sympathetic for everybody but at least understandable yeah no absolutely i wasn't trying to turn, oh turn no 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 you're fine um and then uh the other thing i kind of wanted to bring up was the whole scene where ray where uh hana or yeah hana invites ray over to dinner okay Be well because i thought it was kind of weird that they made it this big dramatic moment Right, like, as if this hasn't happened before. Right, but when you think about it, actually, it is kind of a big deal. Uh, because of the fact that Akari has always been the one to bug Ray to come over. Oh, yeah. Hana has always been very, like, passive about it. And, you know, it's understandable because, you know, Akari brings in this, like, basically brings in this bum, wants to kind of, like, fix him up and take care of him, as, you know, she does with, like, other animals. Uh -huh. You know, why is this any of Hana's business? Right, and she's just a middle schooler. Like, yeah, she's just a mid middle schooler. You know, she's you know, it's not her job to be concerned about Ray. Right. So I feel like I feel like that the entire purpose of like why they decided to turn into this big dramatic moment where we get like this silhouette shot of the two of them like sitting at just at like this fast food restaurant, you know, like this big like romanticized version of it, is the fact that this is kind this is actually a very significant change for the two of them. And how their relation has been. Because Ray has always kind of, like, intruded in Hana's life. Sure. Um, you know, he kind of follows her after, you know, she kind of wants to be left alone to cry. He kind of, like, and, you know... You know, this is the first time that Hana's ever actually, like, reached out to him and is like, Do you want to come by? I'm fine with it. Right. That's that's an interesting thought. I guess it does change both of them. It, it changes for Ray, too, just because it's... I guess it for him it might feel less like an obligation because with with Akari it always felt like she was he might have interpreted that she was just sort of patronizing him right. or you know trying to help him out because he was so pathetic but this felt like more like a peer even though she's younger than him it felt like someone who didn't have to care about him was choosing to and that right. was probably something that felt new for him yeah and it's kind of going back to like when we think about uh, to the last episode, uh, where you know he was kind of brought in by this one person who wanted to take care of him, and when that happened, you know 
the entire family basically collapsed. Like, the, right. like right. The, the older sister, like, you know, basically became, uh, kind of started gallivanting around town. The other, and the, uh, the younger son just decided to, He becomes uh, a neat. Yeah, exactly. So this is the first time, you know, somebody who was, somebody who was basically feeling the effects of being forced into being into a relationship with Ray is still concerned about him now. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. It's interesting, too, to see if you can briefly compare Koda, his adoptive father, to Hana and say that Ray, when he was brought into that house, felt like there was an implied obligation that he become an apprentice in Shogi. Right. And this is probably the first time that he's felt like he was being invited into someone's home with no strings attached. Right. This was just a very casual, like, hey, you want to come to dinner? Yeah. Yeah, and that, but you can see how that would be meaningful. Um, the last thing I wanted to uh, address on this episode is the character of Soya, or Soya, um, who is the, I guess, ostensibly the point of the, because the, the episode is called The Child of God, right? Right. And, and I'm, I'm sort of like, well, that's a strange title. Is this about Jesus? <laughs> um, and the... Uh, they, they eventually identify that the Child of God is just a title or a nickname reserved for the champion of Japanese shogi, a guy named Soya. Um, but he only appears relatively briefly. He's sort of in and out, and people refer, you know, Hayashida asks about him, like, oh, have you ever met Soya? And Ray's like, no, no, he's way higher ranked than me. Sometimes I'll see him at tournaments, but he's way out of my league, basically. And so he's this champion who's reigned for for years and years not not clear just how long um who has gray hair but otherwise looks very similar to ray just an older version of ray right. did you do you think did you get anything out of that or any of his other uh, illusions uh the major thing you know, see it's funny because you mentioned the fact that he looks like an older version of ray because my first thought was actually he looked like the teacher oh that's interesting um so i guess it's I guess we can just sort of interpret that Soda is supposed to be... Soya. Basically the future of Ray, or how Ray sees how his future is going to go. Hmm. Um, and, you know, we don't know that for certain, because, again, we're kind of assuming that everything in the series is going to be about Ray. Which, yeah, I, I mean... I, I, I wonder if Ray would see himself in that, like, the way that Soya is portrayed is sort of very removed and elite and just sort of untouchable you know he's, right. he's all on his own he doesn't have you never see him pictured with anyone else um you wonder if that eventually they're going to use as a contrast to say like if you keep going down this road ray this is what you're going to become yes you'll become the best shogi player but you'll also be alone right and is that something you truly really want yeah cool cool um, so, do you want to move on to, uh, Scorching Ping Pong Girls? I, I, I always love to discuss scor- <laughs> those, those ping pong girls and the way that they scorch. Um, alright, so, Scorching Ping Pong Girls, episode 6. This, this focuses a lot more on your favorite character and mine, Hokuto. Um, <laughs> starts with a flashback of, uh, the girls in elementary school, and Hokuto, uh, is invited to go hang out with some of the other kids after school. She says she can't because she has to help out her family. And Hanabi notices this 
and then Hokuto goes to work at her family store. Back in the present, Agari accuses Koyori of slacking off because Koyori's smashes aren't as strong anymore. Um, Hokuto immediately analyzes it and realizes that the rubber on uh, Koyori's paddle is wearing down, and she suggests she gets some new ones, but Koyori has no money because she's been buying cosplay stuff. And <laughs> so uh, they basically Hanabi offers on Hokuto's behalf that Koyori come work at Hokuto's ping pong store. Yes, her family owns a store <laughs> dedicated entirely to ping pong, which is somehow a sustainable business model. <laughs> I actually wrote that in my notes. Yeah. And uh, says that, you know, she can pay for her new equipment with labor. And so they go, and Koyori's learning how to run the crash register, and this creepy, green-haired, goth, lowly character comes in and tries to buy a bunch of stuff, and she creeps out Koyori, but Koyori gets through it and uh, rings everyone up because she learns how to relax and ends up giving this creepy girl a bunny t-shirt she's earned through coupons and the the girl says that she is quote-unquote deathly sure that this will be the proper price for her Uh. weekly friendship fee whatever the hell that means um it's revealed by kirika that this is the girl that uh the team is going to play in their next practice match and that this creepy girl is actually the driver of the east so one of the parallel drivers to agari um eventually the whole ping pong club shows up at uh, hokuto's family store and hokuto's parents are of course still nowhere to be seen and so all the, all the kids show up, and Kirika says that Agari was super worried about whether Koyori was going to be okay all by herself. And then they both both blush and fumble, and it's all very cutesy. Um, and finally, you get a flashback again to uh, how Hanabi and Hokuto first became friends. Basically, Hanabi followed Hokuto to her ping pong store one time and just hung out there. And then decided, because Hokuto said table tennis was fun, and so Hanabi decided to play table tennis too, and then decided to start working at the store with Hokuto, and it made Hokuto uh, blush. And the end. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so my first thought upon watching this episode was, how is a ping pong store understaffed? Well, yeah, I mean, it's also (laughs) manned entirely by one child. Oh, yeah, I... I didn't quite get that. Okay, so in Japan, they do have a lot... Like, in Japan, they... Having... I have seen this firsthand. It is a lot more sustainable to have very small, very niche stores. Okay. That being said, I feel like Hokuto's store was far bigger than it really needed to be for that. Yeah, it was not a small store. Yeah, it felt like it was, like, a fairly, like, decent-sized, like, retail chain, almost. Yeah, it was, like, the size of a Starbucks. Yeah, exactly. Like, maybe not, like, that big, but way bigger than you would need for, like, for, like, ping-pong equipment. Yeah, how, for, also, like, how much equipment pong. is there? Right, like, exactly. Because, you know, even in the U.S., we just have store, you know, we have, like, sports focal, sto- you know, we have, you know, small stores focused on, like, sports equipment, you know, but that's, like all sports equipment right exactly yeah so they'll have 
an aisle and it'll have ping pong paddles and probably rubbers and balls and right also it's funny how much they use the word rubber um yeah but i'm just gonna ignore that um (laughs) no i thought the same thing yeah and the the other thing i thought with this store that was weird is so so in this episode um hokuto and uh koyori and Hanabi all mispractice because they're manning the store. And then it's established earlier that um, Hokuto often has to go straight from school to man the store. But this has never happened in any episode previously. Yeah. Like, H- Hokuto's always been at practice, and this is the first time, and now suddenly she has to be at the store at the same time that the other girls are at practice? Like, what? I, do- I don't really <laughs> understand the sequence of events that led this to being the day that they had to miss practice to be at the store. Is this, does she do it once a week? Is it like, it was just very unclear. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like this was something that the, cause this is based off a of manga. I think we found out. Yes. Um, so I kind of feel like this was a detail in the manga that the, uh, that the author hadn't really quite thought out in the first place. Uh-huh. When he first wrote up the characters, and then when it came time to start writing more background for, like, the other characters before we get to the big tournament arc. Right. He thought, oh, well, uh, Hokuto works at a uh, at a ping pong store yeah. that her family runs. And, and it'll be very sad if she always has to work there by herself. Yeah, so that's how she became friends with Hanabi. Yeah. There you go. That's the pairing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We probably should have mentioned that one as well. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Overall, it was not that interesting i mean Uh, there was almost no ping pong uh, one thing i do want to say is that at the very least like because this episode reminded me a lot of the last episode of long riders yeah and in the sense at the very least when they are doing a when they're kind of just doing like a small cool down episode sort of a just sort of a slice of life episode at the very least it still feels like it's about ping pong that's true like, and that's not something, and, like, I, I, you know, with that last episode of Long Riders, I just, I didn't get any sense that this show was about, like, cycling in the least. Oh, yeah, I mean, like, I am deeply grateful that Hokuto doesn't actually work at a maid cafe. Yeah. You know, that I, would break me. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, the fact that, that we still get ping pong lessons, because the fact, you know, she explains what the different types of rubbers can do, and, you know, what types of shots you like to focus on, she can, like, supply, like, the better, like, types of rubber. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, you know what, that's at least, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Now, of course, she always always has to uh, end such a statement with, and of course, you can also learn the color of your panties. And it's like, oh my god, quit saying that, that's not funny. Yeah, it's, even the <laughs> other characters acknowledge, that's weird, stop saying that. Yeah, but, please of, stop saying that, it's course, not that funny. I can't, because this is an otaku show. I know. Um. All right, you want to discuss our uh, our secret favorite show, Tiger Mask? Uh, yeah, let's do it. All right. So Tiger Mask was um, I don't know. It was it was it was episode seven. I guess I won't give it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the episode starts off. And they're still in Okinawa, and Haruna wants to go to the beach with Naoto. 
and he says okay so she gets in her swimsuit and he goes out on the beach and he's doing squats and she's like well that's not what i meant and so then they go get ice cream <laughs> and then it cuts to uh, karuma who is a reporter for pro wrestling monthly who's trying to investigate the original tiger mask and figure out who the new tiger mask is <coughs> um she goes to interview naoto and uh so basically she gives a lot of background on what the original tiger mask did in the original series which was interesting and she says basically that the original tiger mask rejected the practices of tiger's den um and he fought in order to give all of his winning proceeds to kids in an orphanage because he himself had been an orphan in his last match he uh, defeated the master of tiger's den tiger the great and, but in the process, his face was revealed as uh, Naoto Date, and uh, he disappeared and he never showed up again. Then it cuts to Takuma fighting Bossman again in the United States. Apparently, Bossman is the cha- the American champion, but <laughs> you know, but then Takuma beats him and becomes the american champion himself bossman is relegated to the local circuit um and then miss x meets up with mr x uh who is i guess her boss and uh mr x reiterates that the priority for global wrestling monopoly is to defeat tiger mask because since they were destroyed by the first tiger mask they cannot allow anyone using that name to fight because they will lack uh it will undermine their legitimacy or whatever and miss x indicates that they're building a new stadium in japan where they will destroy tiger mask okay um (laughs) they go back to okinawa and tiger mask fights in a tag team match and uh he suplexes of course and wins and there's an old man there who watched the first tiger mask and he's very impressed by naoto and uh, Tiger Mask is the champion of the people. Uh, Harano sells out of all their merch. Uh, they fly back home, and then Naoto reveals that the only thing he bought was a bunch of identical t-shirts with a tiger cosplaying as an Okinawan lion. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. Um, one thing I would like to point out about the episode is that, yet again, we had very few lines from Takumi. In fact, we only had one line, which was him just saying, Mike and Ke- Like, Mike. Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> yes. And I think that was just them reusing an old line. Oh, really? Just an old recording? Yeah, I think they just reused, like, an old recording, because I'm pretty sure he said the exact same thing in a couple of episodes ago. Wait, so what happened to Takuma's voice actor? Yeah, again, I don't know. I, either they're, like, in the process of having to replace him, and they're kind of just scrambling right now, or they're just trying to get out of paying him as much as possible? Like, yeah, I, I don't really know what's going on with that. Weird. I didn't think about the fact that that was the only line he said. I think he grunts once. Sure, but who knows if that's authentic yeah, grunting. Again, that if, if that's just something he they had recorded before again. Yeah. Um. So I had a different interpretation of the old man. I thought he was the actual old tiger mask. Oh, no. I don't think so at all. Okay, well, because the episode was called Nauto and Nauto, and we never found out the name of the old man. 
Yeah, I think that was just because they showed the flashbacks of the old tiger mask. Right. I guess. Uh, I did kind of like how they go through the uh, the flashback to like the old tiger mask. I kind of appreciated the fact that they kept it like in the same art style as the very original series. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, I can't really speak, you know, out of nostalgia for it, but... It definitely looked like a different art style, though, which was cool. Um, what I... The, the other thing with the old man is that they did at one point show a cut of him as a child watching the original. Oh, mask. Okay. So it's like, it had a parallel shot of him sitting in the same seat, watching the new tiger mask and then watching the old tiger mask in his memory. Um, okay. So, so I'm wondering then if he was supposed to be like a recurring character in the original series. Like maybe. if he was like, if he was supposed to be like a recurring, like a child spectator yeah. or something like that. Um, so did Harna think like, want to go on a date with tiger mask? What do you mean? Well, because of the whole thing about how she, uh, you know, she goes out, she, because it wasn't oh, so much that she yeah, changed yeah, into yeah. Her, changes into her swimsuit. She goes out to buy a new swimsuit that's clearly supposed to be, like, a little bit, you know, sexier. And, you know, she's mad that uh, Naoto just wants to train. Yeah, and then course, she makes yeah. him treat her to ice cream. So I was just a little confused. I was like, so is she trying to date him? Yeah, it's very unclear because this show is kind of 50% terrible. um i didn't get that i thought she just wanted to like go to the beach and look cute but again who knows because there's not enough meat to it i keep i still interpret their relationship as brother sister that's you're probably right but i don't know it was i just thought it was weird that she was like getting mad at him for just like why are you training right now well i think why aren't you swimming yeah, I think it was just a, a needlessly elaborate way of them justifying the two of them going out to get ice cream <laughs> and um, running into the old man who was com- like talking about pr- how pro wrestling is better than karate, <laughs> which I enough. guess is an argument that people get in. Okay, fair enough. I don't know. Um, one final thing I did want to bring up. They brought back Jeet again, and he did nothing. Yeah, Gorilla Jeet Singh? Yeah. Yeah, well, they just introduced him as being at the tournament. Yeah, he just, like, because after uh, uh, Ryu, like, finishes his match and wins, like, all of a sudden, uh, Ryu jumps out, and, you know, it looks like they're going to start doing another thing with him, and then it cuts away, and nothing happens with Jeet. Yeah. Gorilla Jeet Singh, he just walks in, and everyone's terrified of him because he's swinging his scimitar around again. That wacky Gorilla Jeet Singh. And I was like, oh, good. Now we'll get to get some development of him as a character. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Nothing. Um, which, whatever. Just just stop including him in episodes at this yeah, point. Yeah, please. It's getting uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, it was uncomfortable in the first place. Oh, it was more than uncomfortable last week. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, hopefully this... Because these last two have been pretty empty episodes... Um, right. Hopefully next week we'll get some more content. Like, we'll see whatever plan GWM has for defeating Tiger Mask, and he he can actually fight interesting opponents again. Yeah, because that was the problem. Was because I feel like they uh, kind of uh, showed their hand a little too quickly by making him fight the strong, like the strongest fighter they ever had. Yeah, exactly. But I don't yeah. know. I feel like we're gonna spend the rest of the season reminiscing about how awesome the fight against Red <laughs> Death Mask was. <laughs> And not really be able to move on. but That's probably But true. we probably should move on to All Out. Or as I have in my note, 
a whole alp. Good, good, <laughs> good input, Matt. Thanks. Um, <laughs> Sorry. All right, so all out episode six. Uh, so again, all of the guys are staying over at the school, and um, Guillaume has a dream in which he gets a super try, and in the process, he slams Iwa's head onto the ground. But when Iwa wakes up, he sees Ibumi leaving in the middle of the night. Um, the next day, the coach has all the players run around the school, and Ibumi's pissed because no one's trying hard enough. Eventually, Ibumi gets in a fight with a number of the other backs because uh, he thinks that they're not working hard enough. Um, he says that they accuse him of skipping practice all the time. He says he only skips because he doesn't want to waste his time with losers like them, etc., etc., um eventually the coach gets them to quit fighting uh the coach later asks what the team's goal is and they don't really have an answer and he's confused by this eventually sekizan says that they want to go to hanazono which he describes as the koshian of rugby basically the national championships for high school rugby um, the coach says that they will have no chance of getting there because their equipment is outdated and they lack motivation. Uh, Guillaume, of course, immediately says that they don't lack motivation. He'll do whatever it takes. Um, the next day, uh, in first thing in the morning, Abumi again wakes up in the middle of the night. Turns out he was exercising by himself before practice. And then Matsu finds him. They discuss a little bit about his background. You discover that Ibumi was a bully initially, um, but he got recruited onto the rugby team and realized that it was sort of tailor-made for him because he was allowed to be violent and get rewarded for it. Um, but he hated how the former seniors were satisfied with a loss. Um, ultimately, the the... Everybody comes out and shows Ibumi that they want to practice with him and that he's a part of the team. Uh, and it's all very nice, but then Sekizan yells at them because it's three in the morning and they need to go back to sleep. <laughs> um, so the, the next day they do they work out even harder than ever before. They're, th they're completely broken down and they wonder, you know, what's the point? How can they ever catch up and actually compete at Hanazono? But the coach says, you know, they have just as good a shot of anyone as long as they go, wait for it, all out every Woo! day. If they can go all out every day and give their max effort every time they practice, they can become the best team in Japan. That's, <laughs> that sort of sets them up for the rest of the season, I guess. Um. So as per usual, I'm about 50-50 on this. Yeah. Um, what were your thoughts real quick? Um... I'm probably a little higher on this again. The big reason being that I like Ibumi's background and I like them delving a little more into his character and I enjoy any interaction with the coach. Um, right. And I like the, 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 I guess the thing I like most is that it showed that the team really doesn't think of themselves as a very good team and realistically yes. has no chance of going to nationals. Yes, that is what I liked. I thought that that was a really interesting twist because a lot of sports series jump into the into a 
basically jump into the team. You have an outsider who comes into the team, which is a pretty decent team, but they're always being held back by the fact that they just don't have the players, but they have the will and the fight to want to go on to nationals. Right. Um, but in this, we are getting a twist on that in this series where this is a team that doesn't have any passion for it. This is a team that doesn't, like, they don't have any sort of belief. It's like even Sekizan, you know, the wise senior character that the series has already played with, you know, he's the one who kind of has to, like, half-heartedly say, it's like, um, well, I guess we would like to go to Hanazono. Right, exactly. Uh, but he doesn't really believe it. Yeah, exactly. Like, nobody believes in it. And I think that's a really interesting twist to take. Yeah. Um, I, I thought the stuff with the Boomy was fine. Again, it kind of goes back to my previous problem, though, where, uh, like, Gion just really is not feeling like the main character right now. Well, yeah, now. nobody feels like the main character. Right. I, I thought, again, it's kind of the same problem that Daze has sometimes, where uh, we have a character who feels like that they would be a better main character. Yeah. And I, get, I feel like Abumi was one of, is one of those characters. Yeah, he'd be way more interesting than Gion, who has about two inches of depth to him yeah who's basically like i'm short i want to fight people yeah exactly <laughs> right like at least at the very least a boomy is like i am a naturally violent person who has finally found an outlet in the sport yeah Which also amusingly is also kind of Gion's motivation right yeah but again with, with like Gion, like okay so the series opens like the episode opens up with a kind of funny gag about Gion wanting to like tackle people in his sleep yeah because he's tackling Iwashimizu, like, in his sleep, and he won't, like, let him go or anything like that. Right. And it's, like, it's kind of a funny gag. At the same time, though, it's, like, do I really believe that Gion is really, like, that passionate about the sport right now? Well, yeah, it's funny because he's dreaming about getting not just a try, but a super try that gets them 20 points. Um, of course, he's played in one game, and he's never even touched the ball. Yeah, Exactly, and that's what's kind of that's kind of what's weird to me about it is the fact that all he can think about right now and like all like everything that's just dominating right now is rugby, and it's just like I don't feel like you've really had the proper development to really justify that. Yeah, why do you care about rugby this much? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean that that's that's not really fair because he is in a sports anime. Of course, he cares about <laughs> rugby, and it's it's kind of nice to see that Gion and Abumi are the only ones who really, truly do care about rugby. You know, they're the only ones who are unironically passionate about being great at rugby. You know, right. Abumi is the one who's working out more than he's supposed to, and Gion is the one who just invited a random coach to train them because they needed improvement, and who immediately says that he'll do whatever training regimen it takes in order to be the best. Um... So I, I, I know that he's a stupid character, but I do appreciate his stupidity as a contrast to the reticence and right. sort of the cynicism of a lot of the other players. Right. And I think that's an interesting point that I hadn't quite considered was the fact that, you know, Gion is going to be the one who sort of spurs about this change in the team. Yeah. Like, because he's the only one who, like, because he's an outsider who can, like, who finds his passion in it. Yeah, whereas, guess... like, Ibumi is the same way in that he's truly passionate about rugby, but everyone hates him because he's a jerk. And the that becomes difficult for them to manage, basically. Right. 
Um, I did have one slight issue with the fact, was which was the whole thing about, like, hey, you know, you've been cutting practices and stuff like that. Like, you've been going out at night. Like, what are you doing? And as soon as they said that, I just immediately, like, he's training. Yeah, oh, obviously he was training. I mean, yeah, he, was, like, he was in workout shorts with a uh, hoodie on, so of course he's going out to run. Of course, right. what else would he be doing? It's a sports anime. <laughs> yeah, kind of. It's like, okay, like, come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, I like that they treat it like it's a mystery, as if he's sneaking out at 3 a.m. to get drunk or something. But Yeah, exactly, or going out to, like, see a girl or yeah. something like that, you know? It's like, he's obviously training guys. Yeah. Anyway, so that was, it was a little lazy, but... Um, yeah, you know, it's it's at least picking itself up. It's doing some interesting things at the very least, which is more than I could say what it was doing at the beginning. And I will say that I also like that Sekizan made them go back to bed because this yes. series, once again, it was right on the verge of saying you could you should just exercise all the time and not sleep, and that's a good thing. And then it's <laughs> like, no, that's still unhealthy. Stop doing that. <laughs> it's like this is still stupid, you guys. Please go back to sleep. Yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm glad that they at least acknowledged that that wasn't <coughs> the best lifestyle choice. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else for this? I feel like there wasn't a ton of meat here. No, not really. Uh, I'm about ready to go on to days. If you are, I am very ready to discuss days. <laughs> so uh, days episode seven. Um, it starts right after the end of the match against Seikon. Um, Himura of Seikon, <laughs> he realizes that Seiseki was able to win because they were, quote-unquote, hungrier. <laughs> Whatever. Um, yeah. After the match, uh, Kazuma drags Tsukamoto to talk to his mom with him. Um, Tsukamoto says that uh, Kazuma is great, and that makes Kazuma's mom very happy. And then Kazuma thanks his mom for helping him meet Tsukamoto and then asks, Hey mom, are you free this winter? (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't even thought about that. (laughs) She says yes. And he says, well, we're going to nationals and I want you to be there. And it's very nice. So then they fly back. uh, they're, They're on the plane and Ubikata dreams of going to nationals. And sketches out soccer plays, which she can apparently do now. Um, back at school, you see that Sakamoto is uh, running with all the other first years and yelling as a group, as per usual. Um, Kazuma is on the sidelines with a crutch, and he notes that Sakamoto has become indispensable to their team. Um, the tournament schedule for uh, the the national tournament is released and the basically Seiseki is in the same block as the one of the like the the reigning champion of Tokyo uh, which is a school called Toen Academy um, which I guess is one of the other four great schools in Tokyo and so they realize that if they want to go to nationals they'll have to go through Toen um, they set up for the first game against some random school. Sakamoto is not in the starting lineup, um, and he says it's a good thing because he doesn't have enough resolve. Then he starts worrying that it might be the third year's last game. Um, but So Mizuki has a speech before the game, and he says that no matter what their past failures were, this is the game that will prove their training was uh, legitimate, and then they win off screen. Um, um, in the process, Mizuki gets a yellow card, which I guess I'll come up later. 
then the the end of the episode is Kimishita and Ushibara getting in a fight for some reason after school. Because uh, they don't like each other, remember? Yeah, they just don't like each other. So they get in a fight. Ushibara declares that he's going to be the next captain and he's going to lead the school to defend its championship. And then Sakamoto is going to defend it again. So they'll they'll have a three-peat. Um, Sakamoto appreciates uh, Ushibara's optimism and says that he's not going to think about losing anymore. He's just going to think about winning so that he can keep his team together as long as possible. Okay. So, uh, one thing I want to bring up that really is getting frustrating is the whole thing about how Mizuki has a yellow card because he clearly accidentally slid into a goalie's face. Right. Like, it watch, it's like, okay, so there's not very much animation here. Yeah. But you can clearly see that this was an accident. Why does he get a yellow card when there are characters that have clearly been grabbing other players during the middle of matches? And they get nothing. And they get nothing! Well, yeah, and if you want to give him a yellow card, don't make it something that's borderline. Just make him actually make a violent mistake. And I guess on some level, they can't make Mizuki ever make mistakes. Like, he can't right. ever be violent. And so they have to make it so it's not his fault. But yeah, it but... also doesn't really feel like, by the standards of the show, that he deserved that penalty. Yeah, exactly. Like, considering everything else that has ever happened in this series, considering the fact that last season we had the team that was devoted to committing fouls and grabbing people by their shirts and throwing them down and never being called out for it. Yeah, exactly. But no. Like, oh, no, no, but Mizuki accidentally sliding into somebody. No, that's a, that's a red card. That's a yellow card right there. Just, ugh. Just, do you understand soccer? Well, I mean, we're at the point where we realize that they don't. And that's... I know, but every single time they... Like, sometimes I just find something that just really irritates me. Yeah, I mean, the the episode was kind of empty. Um, yeah. Because it, it began with their last match ending. And pretty much all it did is set up their the new tournament... And then it didn't even show anything from the game that they played because they yeah, had no it's just animation. Like, oh yeah, budget. game's over. Exactly. Um, so they sort of preface that before they can face Toe in, they're going to have to face some other school with a really long, complicated name that I didn't write down. Um, that <laughs> is going to be their biggest threat. So probably in the next episode or episode or two, they're going to have to face this other school before they can play Toe in. Um, I don't know. I don't know how this <laughs> this show is going to wrap itself up in 24 episodes total. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to have to pretty much skip through everything. And, like, who knows? They may just end it, like, um, just before the game for Toen so that they can have hopes of getting a new season. I like, guess. I, like, that's the only thing I can think of. I have no idea how popular this show has been this season. I mean, it's, it better be more popular in Japan than it is in America. Because it's definitely yeah. not getting any traction over here. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> and uh, so there's one other line I wanted to bring up. I forget who says it, but he, but they basically say something along the lines of, if you lose, that ends your soccer career in high school for the third year. That was the coach. Okay, that was the coach? Yeah. Isn't Mizuki being considered for the national team? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're just saying it ends their high school career, but yes. 
But, I don't know, I feel like that line lacks any sort of tension or weight when we know at the very least that some of these players are very clearly, like... Like, they, they're talented enough to go onto the national team. They're being considered for it. So there, or at least to play reason... in college. Right, exactly. Like, it's not exactly that scary, you know? Well, Soccer is a pretty widespread sport. It is, but the... They're not saying it's your last soccer match ever, but I think they... The way a lot of these sports shows work is they treat the high school team as this absolutely vaunted and irreplaceable experience, right? Um, Right. And this is sort of mirrored in the way that high school baseball is treated in Japan generally, where it is elevated as the most watched sports um event so even if high school baseball players go on to play in college they will never play in a more important culturally important tournament than koshian the high school baseball tournament so i think there might be some of that um where people treat the high school team as being the most important team they'll ever be on on some level right um because once you go pro, like you're just getting paid to be there, but it's not really your team in the same way. Right. I suppose that's fair. Um, yeah, I, I guess I hadn't really quite thought about it like that. And it's the last time you know you'll be surrounded by your friends and all that stuff. Right, playing something you really love to do. I, I guess. I don't know. I guess it, it doesn't work for me on the level because, you know we don't really care about any of these characters. And I guess, you know, outside of Mizuki, and, you know, Mizuki's pretty much set, so... Yeah. But that's the, that's the thing, though. Like, try and put yourself in the shoes of a high school athlete facing the potentially the last match of your high school career. Yeah, you know that you could still play that sport again, but you'll be starting over. And there is right. something special about this team, these people, this thing I've been doing for three years. I don't want it to end yet. Um, So I think that's legitimate, honestly. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I'm not one to defend days, but... (laughs) (laughs) No, no, Uh, I I see what you're saying. Speaking of something difficult to defend in this episode, do you want to talk about Kazuma talking to his mother? Oh, yes, please, let's do that. Alright, so yeah, what what did you think of it generally? Um, Basically, I... Like, can the series get off of Tsukamoto for, like, one minute? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Kazuma's having this grand like reconciliation with his mother and it's still like the important takeaway from it is that he met Tsukamoto because of their issues whatever they were yeah they're unspecified issues Kazuma has not seen his mother for eight years and he just talks about how much he likes Tsukamoto it's like oh well thank you I met Tsukamoto because of you and it's like this could not I'm sorry but this just could not be any more of a self-insert for, I, I don't know who for the viewer to be like, oh, like, he's so important. He believes in himself so little that even, like, this big popular guy, like, this yeah super, like this genius, like, owes everything to me. Right. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know what the purpose of it is. It might just be lazy writing. Um, I do have to say that, are you free this winter is one of my favorite lines from the show. <laughs> oh yeah, are you free during the general time of winter? Yeah, are you free sometime between December and Ever. March? Like, <laughs> that is way too big a window. And she says like, yes. <laughs> she just says, oh yeah, I should be free for f- 
three or four months. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm sure I can find some time in there. Like, right. well, yeah, yeah, of course you can. Who isn't free sometime in a four month period? What a weird <sighs> question. Um, uh, yeah. So that was that was great. Um, and then, um, yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to say real quick, I, like going back to the whole thing about Tsukamoto, it just it really irritates me about the fact that he's the one who scored this defining goal against this other team mm-hmm. like when they made this whole big deal about the fact that he has no ego and how about you know how he takes one for the team because oh you know he doesn't care about scoring a goal he just wants to do what's right by the team yeah but they put him in and a the... position where he had to score the goal right exactly and it just feels like like no he doesn't get all of the goals but he got the goal that matters right and it just it kind of belittles that entire the entire point that they were trying to make about the fact that Tsukamoto doesn't care about like standing out on this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't know. It just again this feels like okay, but if you do that, don't worry, you can really get the goal if you want to. Right, right, right. They're still giving it to him even though they said he didn't have to have it. Um, it is it is funny in the second. I mean, honestly, this episode went super slow and there was not much meat in it, and it was right. pretty boring. But I liked how long it took, and how deep we are into this series for the moral at the end of the episode to be Sukamoto realizing that he should think about winning. <laughs> like really, like that's the revelation you're getting on what yeah. is this episode nineteen? You know, considering, like, you know, I complained about this during All Out, about the whole thing about how Gion, like, suddenly had this revelation of, you know, you have to hang on to our ball. At least that was episode three. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) This is the 19th episode. We're finally getting to Tsukamoto actually wanting to win. Yeah. It's, um, this, this show. I mean, it's better than Long Riders. That's all I can say. Um, so do you... It's at least an interesting bad. Yeah. Do you want to move on to another interesting bad? Uh, yeah, let's talk about Keijo. All right. Okay, so, um, basically this entire episode, it's a cool down from the last episode, of course. Uh, we had Nozomi and the gang going out to Kyoto for training as sanctioned by the school. Um... They ha- they uh, they stop off in an area and they say it's like yo you know you have free time and my initial thought was no this is a test right I was incorrect no it was just literally just free time yep and they go around and explore uh, explore kind of this uh, touristy area uh, Miata kind of withdraws from the group you know she wants to make some suggestions but she's kind of uh, you know she's talked down no like nobody lets her get in a word edgewise so she goes out and visits on her own. Uh, but Nozomi comes in and, you know, she wants to speak to her because, you know, she wants to hang out with her friend. And Miata just finds this delightful. Like, you know, she's thrilled that she has a friend now. And then they go exploring and then it's off to the actual training camp. Yeah. <laughs> like, I thought for sure this was going to be a test. Yeah, no, it's just a little slice of life. Yeah, just a little slice of life there. Um, so everybody is in... Uh, so basically what happens is everybody gets in... Like, once they get to Kyoto... Everybody is assigned an instructor. Uh, Nozomi is told that she is supposed to train in infighting now. So, you know, Nozomi's excited about this because, you know, this is the style that, you know, she's probably most suited for. Yeah. And so, uh, during their morning jog, uh, they are, like, all of the infighters are out running and they are confront And, like, all of a sudden some random girl passes by them. They don't even know if she's, a, like, you know, part of the group or not. But they pa- But she passes them and... Everybody just decides to just uh, try and keep up with this girl. 
for, I guess, out of pride? Yeah. Yeah, because no like, one's going to be faster than them. Yeah. Right. I mean, but, I mean, you they have a couple of shots of them being, like, with, like, training weights on. So they're clearly moving slower. Um, but they can't keep up with this girl. And then what happens is after they uh, after they stop and you know they're all exhausted. I believe Nan is you know be is clumsy as usual. She trips and she knocks over all of these like wooden logs that were tied up. And this girl that they couldn't keep uh, keep up with it like suddenly jumps in and she uses a butt missile to <laughs> basically knock over uh, to basically knock away all the logs from hitting everybody. And this is supposed to be the big badass introduction of Kyoko, who is actually like their senior. In the school, she is already in the pro ring, and uh, well, she's not in she the school. I don't think. I think she, she's just I, a pro. Yeah, but she uh, she graduated from the school right. basically, yeah. and so she uh, but and she's basically the one who's going to be training them, and she's training all the infighters. So Nozomi uh, has a practice match with her. Uh, there's kind of a funny little gag where she's the uh, where they kind of she, they're portraying her as basically being the ultra strict like instructor. Who, like, you know, hates mistakes. Right. You know, like, kind of pointing out the very inconsequential things that you wouldn't even think about. And pointing out how they're a huge deal. Like, with Nozomi, she points out, you're taking weight, like, your nails are way too long. You're leaving them way too long. And that's going to cause, like, it's going to, you're a gymnast type. So that's going to make it difficult for you to, like, keep traction with your flips. And, but the joke is that she comes up and just cuts them off for her. Rather than, like, scolding her and, like, kicking her out of the team. And making her, like, reflect on why this is an issue anyway nozomi has her big practice match with her and she just can't keep up with kyoko and that's pretty much the episode yeah so as i indicated i did actually watch this episode with you because uh, i don't know i just sort of wanted to see what the hype was about um right i don't know if necessarily that's something i should have done because <laughs> the it, it did make like it was the episode Again, you said that this wasn't, like, the most action-packed, which was obvious. Um, right. But it seemed to drift back and forth between being boring and uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and that was about as much of a tone shift as you got. Because there was a lot of, like, random girls grabbing other girls' breasts. And, like, yeah. a lot of just, like, weird stuff that felt just, like pretty lazy yuri baiting without any content behind it and fan service and other than that just poorly developed sports anime tropes um and not much else you know no real meat to it right so that was actually kind of a complaint i had because you haven't really been following the other episodes because this episode was supposed to be was supposed to showcase the vacuum butt cannon's uh big weakness Mm -hmm. like because uh Nozomi can't basically, that's the whole end of the match, is that she tries to build up the vacuum butt wave or butt cannon up against Kyoko, and Kyoko basically stops her and says, you can't do this properly because you have a weakness with your body. Right. And, like, so that's a pretty common trope in a lot of uh, sports anime as well, where, you know, you have their big, awesome, like, showcase move that's supposed to be, you know, this is, like, their big, like, signature move that they use to constantly, like, win their matches. And, you know, you have a time period where you, you do watch how this is the move that kind of gets them out of trouble. And then you finally have an instance where they're pointing out the big weakness to the move. And that was largely the point of this episode. The problem with that was she really just mastered the vacuum butt cannon last episode. Yeah. 
Um, so that's what's kind of weird about this is that we have not had enough time to see just how super powerful this vacuum butt cannon is. Hmm. Like, so for example, in Hajime no, uh, Hajime no Ippo, uh, Ippo's big mo- signature move is the Dempsey roll. Right. This is the move that wins him the championship. Um, and eventually, you know, he has a lot of matches where he uses to, to the uh, the Dempsey roll to diminishing gains. Right. Basically, like, so every time he uses it, it becomes less and less effective against each opponent until he finally has a match where it's perfectly countered and he doesn't know what to do about it. Mm-hmm. I felt like we jumped way too fast into this big weakness for Nozomi, for her big, super special move. Right. Because it literally, she mastered it in one episode, and we're already, like, seeing, no, never mind, you're not good enough for it. Right. Hmm. Um, that's really all I had to say on the matter. Um, yeah, it, uh, beyond that, it just, like you said, it just wasn't terribly interesting. Honestly, even for, like... This was a pretty weak episode, even for, like, a lot of the fan service bits. Yeah. Um, like, if that's something you're interested in. Yeah, this was a kind of a boring episode. Hmm. Good. Well, way to go out <laughs> on a high note. Um, <laughs> all right, Matt. So, all that being said, uh, I think think we're done for the week. Thank you for joining me. It was fun. It was, oh. it was fun watching uh, some of these live with you. Um, it's, it, it was fun watching two of these live, but not one. Yeah, right, right. Uh, it's uh, it's always something I look forward to doing this, and I'm, I'm glad we could do this this week. Um, oh, yeah. So, anyway, that's, that's all I got. Could you go ahead and uh, hit the credits for me? I'm on it. Our logo design is by James Ratcliffe. The theme music is Fly High by Burnout Syndromes, covered and performed by Luke Bartka. You can follow Koshiencast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and our email is koshiencast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll be back next week with the best and worst from the world of sports anime, and until then, keep training.